Story number one. Humans are weird. Connotations. Written by Betty Adams. These are some very thorough observations that you've taken of the human language patterns, both sisters said as he examined the data, but I failed to comprehend the exact nature of your current research proposal. 27th cousin flicked her antennae in agreement and figured the handler display. She was all too aware of how confusing the mass of data was. As you are well aware, first sister, she said, all known languages have two delineated meanings for each individual idea, Nigel. At least two, the first sister agreed. For humanity, this manifests with the connotations and denotations of words. Twenty-seventh cousin went on, warning her subject. Each word has their assigned technical meaning or denotation, which can be expressed shortly and in writing, and a range of positive and negative associations, which require a far greater range of expressions to convey. First sister spread her antennae in request for an example. Devour and scarf, for instance, have identical denotations at the current point in time. Twenty-seventh cousin said, They converge due to a language drift fairly recently. They share the mildly negative connotation of being related to animalistic behavior. However, the emotional resonance of devour is frightening and negative, while the emotional resonance of scarf is humorous and positive. First sister flashed a neck sprawl and pleased acceptance for the explanation. The pair of fairly well understood, 27th cousin went on, but there is more to study to be done on this area. I believe I found a similarly matched set, but this one a complex phrase where the denotations are identical and the connotations are vastly different. The far negative reaction being the one that you are concerned about is the core University Institute Review Board rejecting study for, first sister said, one antennae bobbing slowly in understanding. Twenty-seventh cousin flared her frill in relief and confirmation. And you want me to aid you in formulating the study so it isn't rejected, first sister went on thoughtfully. Twenty-seventh cousin tried to keep her antennae from twitching in excited anticipation like a newly emerged. I'm afraid that I can't, first sister said with a very disappointed droop of her frill. Twenty-seventh cousin tried not to twitch in irritation. She well knew that the first of her hive, the first sister had no intention of disappointing her younger hive mate. However, there was some mischief twitching at the end of her mandibles, and the twenty-seventh cousin knew better than to attempt to force the issue. I am disappointed, she said tonelessly, playing along. What am I to do? Well, first sister brushed back the antenna dramatically. The duties of a newly mated are so many, but I suppose... The duties of a what? Twenty-seventh cousin's frill snapped out in full and washed green and blood blow. Her antennae positively danced as she even lost professional control of her voice, letting it shoot out of the common range and into the native trill of the species. First sister clicked in mock surprise and flicked her mandibles to the side like an old matron. Weren't you told the dear one? She asked in a calm and professional tone. Only the rapid fluttering of a frill began her neck gave her excitement away. Twenty-seventh cousin laid her antennae back in the empathic negative. Well, first sister shook herself and gestured off to the screen. As I was saying, I cannot attend to this at the moment because second brother is here. An absolutely gorgeous male stepped into the frame with her. 
He was a smooth, creamy green all over, with a brilliant red semi-frill around his neck, coming to a point just over his thorax. His antennae were long and amazingly flexible, coming nearly to Fur Sister's neck when alert with interest. His eyes were the true color of amber, and the facets so well-defined that the crystals of the mother would have wept in envy. They were wide-set as well. A human might have splayed out their hand full width up to Patty's head and not touched either eye with a pinky or a thumb. His mandibles positively gleamed with the health and they moved, which they were doing now. Twenty-seventh cousin started up and laid her antennae back in shame. Forgive me, she said hurriedly. I didn't hear that. I was somewhat, um, surprised by the sudden... We saw... Sister said with a smug tone, what my dear second brother was saying was that he would be glad to come personally and assist you with your study. He is very proficient linguist and specializes in human. Oh, what is that strange organ term that they use? Tongues, second brother offered as a shy flick of his supple antenna. Twenty-seventh cousin didn't know how to frill could actually burst from pride, but first sister looked to be in severe danger of it. I would be glad to have his assistance, 27th sister said, with fuel sincerity. Antenna paralyzing beauty aside, the university-trained linguist would be just what she needed. But how can you spare him, she asked. Given the cycle, we won't be stringing any lines in the garden for some time, first sister said with a dismissive flick of her antennae. Second brother ducked his head in embarrassment at the blunt statement, but his antennae were twitching with delight. First sister nudged him pointedly with a foot joint. I really do think the time would be better spent getting to know the rest of the hive, he said softly, before I have too much responsibility to wonder. Great mother, he has a voice like wind chimes, 27th cousin thought. That would be ideal, she said. She forcibly refocused her attention away from her new cousin and indicated the data. He leaned forward eagerly and read through it. He soon clicked an understanding. You'll most likely want someone non-threatening to ask the questions, he said. I can do that. She clicked gratefully. That would be wonderful, she said. For some reason, all the humans on this place are nervous around me. Curious, second brother said without taking his attention off the data slate. You have such a charming mandible set. Be that as it may, she replied. I think you will be far better than non-threatening questioner. So the concept is, he said as he finished the data, is that I am to come up with an individual human while they are isolated, ask them one of two nearly identical questions, and record their emotional responses. Twenty-seventh cousin flicked her antenna in confirmation. Second brother clicked a few times as he prepared for us human speech, then strained and spoke. Human friend, would you like to accompany me to my cottage in the forest? He tried the first question. Human friend, would you like to accompany me to my cabin in the woods? He had an excellent grasp of the human language and both sentences were smooth. And you say the first one is met with general positivity and the second one general fear and hostility, he asked. It is more than that, 27th cousin explained. I showed the question set and he assured me that the connotation set was pleasant and vague for the first, but very specifically being hacked to death by the insane human after a prolonged pursuit in the second. Second brother curled his antenna in horror. That is a very specific connotation, he observed. What could have caused that? End 
of story number one. Story number two. Humans are weird. Rope swing. Written by Betty Adams. The humans found the rope, Quartermaster Sitical said without preamble as he entered the conference room. Quelched clicked absently in sympathy without lifting his focus from the information that he was presenting to the new commander. The commander, however, lifted his primary eyes to focus on the quartermaster. The commander's primary mandibles cocked in a curious angle as Quelched tried not to feel irritation at Sitzkult spread all eight limbs from the maximum extent in an exaggerated gesture of bewilderment. We did our best to hide the rope, Sittix quilt, raised a single manipulator to emphasize the singular nature of the rope in particular. But I swear to the main swarm, to the mother swarm, that they have some sort of instinct for finding exactly what you don't want them to find. Kulkst wished for a moment that he could roll his eyes as a new commander, the young eager thing from the main university tilted his head in curiosity. Which ropes did the humans find? The commander asked, folding his primary manipulators politely across his abdomen. From the way the sensory hair surrounding the commander's primary eyes bristled in confusion, Kultux assumed that the question he really wanted to ask was if the quartermaster had seen the base psychologist recently. They, excuse me, Private Smith found the six-centimeter diameter soft-weave nanobot fiber rope, we had it hidden, the coil in the secondary storage container under the storm tops. Kultukst watched in amusement as the commander surreptitiously tapped on a note on his pad, a reminder to ask what storm tops were. That particular horror would wait a bit longer, according to the human meteorologists. At least there was an 80% chance it could. He said that he was looking for a lighter. Sittix Quilt preemptively raised a manipulator to stop the commander from asking the question that was on his mandibles. No, I don't know a lighter what, but he did not seem interested in enlightening me between his screams. Don't ask about the screams, Quiltix said softly. The commander glanced at him uneasily, but allowed the quartermaster to continue. He shifted the tops, the quartermaster wrung his primary manipulators, do you have any idea how much they weigh? We have to get the entire swarm out to move one of those things. The commander glanced at Kultux, and Kultux shook his head. That question didn't require an answer. So he moves the top, the quartermaster went on, and found the rope. And it's the swinging hole incident all over again. The quartermaster dropped his primary manipulators and looked at the commander expectantly. The commander gave Kultix a rather desperate look, and the nutritional anthropologist took pity on the young officer. He raised one manipulator for attention. Pardon my intrusion, Kultix said. How can this be a swimming hole incident? The land around here is near uniformly flat as the human's physical resolution, and none of the herbage around us is strong enough to provide the support for the rope. The quartermaster expanded his mandibles as if to answer, but after a moment of hesitant clicking, he slumped. Can you please come outside and see for yourselves? The quartermaster asked. I just... We... We're not going to get the safety award this cycle. Oh dear. Kulkst murmured as they gathered up his things. We were on such a good track too. Our humans are being so responsible. He and the commander followed the quartermaster out of the conference room and then into the main building. The screaming became audible as soon as they passed the outer airlock. 
along with the rumbling sound of one of the transport engines. They rounded the corner of the main building complex and stared in shock at the scene in the parking lot. One end of the rope had been secured to the clamp of the boom claw used for taking samples. Apparently the device meant for to reach the far underground cabins was strong enough to support both the rope and the human who was clinging to the lagging end. They had tied a knot at the end of the rope and were using it as a point to grip on with their legs. The boom claw was extended about four meters into the air and was slowly rotating, sending the human currently on the lagging end of the rope, Smith, Coltex thought, swinging around in a wide circle. Another human was manipulating the boom claw while the rest watched in action with wide grins of pleasure. As the commander stared in stunned silence at the boom claw stilled and the humans leapt forward to stop the circular motion for their friend. Boxed, winced as the sound of two human bodies impacting, but neither seemed injured. Go, 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 the humans chanted. Smith appeared to attempt to run at the main base building, but staggered alarmingly to either side, as if he'd forgotten how to balance his precarious bipedal frame. Are they punishing him for some transgression? The commander asked with just a touch of horror in his set of legs. Given the fact that the rest of the humans are now competing to be the next one in the lagging end of the rope, probably not, the quartermaster pointed out. Smith had collapsed on the ground and was laughing up at the sky as his friends abandoned him to claim the place on the rope. Coltex took this to mean that he was out of the danger zone and led the commander over to the prone human. Friend Smith, Coltex greeted the human, may we climb onto your chest? The human stopped laughing long enough to wave his hand in agreement before slipping his arms under his head and letting his gaze focus on the distance that was so vague that Coltex's people. Was he cloud-watching? The commander looked like he had a thousand questions. The quartermaster looked like he was rather exasperated with all of the answers. What is it? Quiltex asked as he had gotten Smith's attention by tapping his chin. What is it with you humans and the rope? End of chapter.